0: So here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Drawing South. I'm here with my good friend, Ray Wilson. Ray, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so um, I think that you might be, I don't know, the first person and maybe the only person that I'll ever have on this podcast even if I do it for a while that I'll have known since they were 13.
1: Yeah it's been a long time. (laughs) I feel like you were kind of my first like introduction into art and kind of what you can do with art. And
0: sweet of you to say but I was one of the things I wanted to chat with you about was what it was like for you growing up in such an artistic scene because I feel like I met you through just obviously through your mom, who we'll probably chat about more, but at like Simple Gestures, which is this fantastic store in St. Augustine, that was like a gift shop slash art space slash where you went to talk about um, if you were having a tough day, you'd stop in and talk with Sue and get some positive feedback, or you would get some really... Kind of strong fatherly feedback from steve-o about like get, <laughs> get it together man uh, and uh but i remember you always being there um on like those first fridays so in saint augustine they would have those simple gestures which was part of that kind of like gallery walk kind of thing and so though it wasn't an art space kind of the way um kind of like a white walled gallery was they would move stuff around and they would have exhibits there so that's sweet of you to say that you that I was your connection to that because I always felt like you were just in that swirl like you kids who grew up in that time just were around a bunch of artistic people.
1: I feel like that's true. I I guess I should um, correct that and say you're kind of the first person to really interact with me with different forms of art and all the different ways that you can use um, even just like household objects and just things that are laying around to kind of Make things with, and I think you were kind of the first person to say, like, you don't have to do it this way. You can do it any way you choose. You can use whatever's laying around to kind of make something. And I think that's maybe more what, um, I meant by that. But yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely grew up in a creative community for sure.
2: Um, yeah. so
0: you would have come to those like found object sculpture classes that I would do at like the, the Hastings Library.
1: Yeah, and I, I actually specifically remember us um, doing something with plaster, and I, like, sat on a chair, and you put plaster in a trash bag, and then we put it on my legs, just to oh. see what it, I remember, I feel like that was, like, a moment where I was like, whoa, this is just, like, mind-blowing to me, for some reason.
0: We should definitely each make one of those sculptures now. Um... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never taught that as a, that that must have been something that we just did at your house or my house. I
1: remember just being on the carport and we just like were messing around and we did that and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever.
0: Um, that's, man, I, I, that should be, I wish I would have taught that. I should teach that as a, <laughs> as a I should teach that as a, um, as a, uh, as a, a class. I just did a yeah. <laughs> sat in on a high school class. So my job now I work where I work between an elementary school and middle school and high school and I actually help all the visual and performing arts teachers with projects and looking for grant opportunities, just all sorts of different things. And so I'm not day to day in teaching students, but I can push in or that I get invited in. So I just did the plaster project where you I thought you were going to say where you poured in your hands because I've done that one for years and years and years. Yeah, but the the trash bag. What happened to that sculpture?
1: Um, I I don't know. My mom yeah. probably
0: <laughs> threw it. Do you have any memory of like what it looked like?
1: Um, I just I remember the curves. Like I remember the two leg curves, and then the um, the lines that the trash bag made because it wasn't super taut, so there were like the wrinkles of the trash bag. I don't know why that's like such a vivid memory for me but
0: yeah so that's that's interesting too that idea of those memories that we have because we all have those those memories where it's like this really powerful thing but then when someone asks you about it you're like I don't. You don't have any answers, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And like, I only remember this one specific detail, and that's
2: Mm -hmm. all I can give you. Yeah, which is
0: which is interesting. Like, I I, um, so Hamlet Dobbins, who I interviewed, or not interviewed. That's the whole opposite point of this. These had a conversation with (laughs) for another episode. Was talking. So his work is about making paintings about these kind of full-body pleasure experiences that happen in your life, like these reverie kinds of moments where you, mm-hmm. the wind's blowing or you're, and you're, you know, um, and for him, a lot of them happen in musical concerts, right? Like mm-hmm. he'll be in this, he'll be in that feeling and just that kind of swept away feeling. And so he'll, he'll make art about it, but it's like he has to make paintings about it because he can't really talk about it, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't. Yes. Yeah like my friend yeah leslie. there's no
1: words to if describe had,
0: my friend leslie would always get so frustrated after uh grad critiques because people would just keep pushing it. and she's like if i could have written it down this thing <laughs> is in my chest i would have been a writer you know like i wouldn't have she's like she would point it she's like i i wouldn't have made this 15 foot sculpture if i could write it down like
2: right I, truly like, I, don't,
0: I don't know what to tell you like I don't I can't do both things. I can't make this big sculpture
2: and
1: and
0: be very eloquent about yeah. why I did that. She's like,
1: <laughs> ah, it's
0: like such a funny thing in in, in when you're in art school. That, I
1: think that's truly an obstacle that like a lot of artists face for sure in the mm-hmm. in the visual art sense. And I mean I didn't go to art school and I definitely have a hard time with that. I went to PR. I went to school for PR, which I should be good at describing what I'm doing and I'm not. (laughs) So,
0: well, you know, what's funny is like, you probably would be really good at talking about my work or Hamlet's work or your friend's work or anyone else's work. But like, yeah, when it comes to, I always talk about it. Like when I'm asking you to talk about your work, it's the equivalent of like asking you Ray for, Directions in St. Augustine, right? So, like, if I'm well,
1: other than the fact that I'm directionally challenged, but yeah, that aside,
0: (laughs) but like, but even like, even with what you do know, you're not going to tell me oftentimes people who live in a city when they try to tell someone who's from outside of the city who's visiting, like, where to get somewhere. You know, the people who are trying to get somewhere, they want street names. Right. And they want stuff, and the people who are from there are like, all they have are these like, these kinds of feelings.
1: Landmarks.
0: They're just like, okay, so you're gonna go to the, you're gonna go to the, there's a intersection, and I think it's like used to be a Pizza Hut, but now it's this other thing, and you're gonna take a right, and then you're gonna, and they're yeah. like,
2: what road yeah. is that?
0: And it's like, dude, I don't know, but I just told you, like it's like, it's a... to ride the former yeah. pizza hut. like I don't know what to tell, and it. Talking about my work is kind of like that. It's like I can't tell you the way to get it because it's like, I don't know, there's something about it. It's like I'm like, it's like I wasn't when I'm making it, I'm not paying attention attention to it in in a way in which I'm gonna need to be able to explain it. Just really, like it's... living in a town, I don't need to know what's like people like I live in East Nashville now and lots of people have moved in who are new. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell me like roads about how to get somewhere that I know in my bones. But I'm like, no,
2: I'm I'm like, well, it's like
1: those memories that you have of a place or you have those memories. Like we were talking about, like the plaster memory or like I specifically remember us talking about negative space. And those are all um, memories that carry on into my work even now, which is like, I specifically remember us talking about the negative space and that's such a big part of what i make is the space in between and i think about that often but it's it's something that's tucked so so far back and so far away and it's something that i remember and that resonated with me and it's like if i just brought that up to somebody random i'm like oh mike mikey told me this one time when i was 13 about like negative space, and like try to describe that that's not something that's necessarily describable to somebody else too out of context
0: well and then also it's just like and so we poured these trash bags full of plastic. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> on say, my on
1: carport my, yeah on
0: the on the podcast like my wife and Ray's mom were around all of this experience <laughs> I wasn't just I just wasn't hanging around with Ray by myself when 13, <laughs> um talking about negative space and plaster and um <laughs> the um well, that's really fun to hear that, especially like in, in, in relationship to how awesome your work is, right? Like I'm looking at your work and every time I see the work that you're making, how, so you didn't go to art school, but you were like, obviously always experimenting and kind of investigating. Did you do an art minor?
1: Um, I or did. did. You- it, it wasn't, that's actually how I got into specifically ceramics and, Immediately had like a connection to that material, but my minor was art. But you know, a minor is like a couple classes and wow. it's got to be a broad scope. So it's like, you know, it's like first year art students,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like first semester. That's basically like what I felt like it was. So it's like I'd get these tastes of things like um, art history. I took one class in art history and I just remember loving it so much, but I I was like in my third year and I was, I didn't, I don't know. It it just like, didn't seem like a possibility to explore those things more. I don't know why I felt that way. Um, so yeah, I kind of got like a taste of things, but I never was fully able to like immerse, um, in depth into things unless I explored it myself outside of school. Um, I think that's the
0: the interesting thing for me is that about like your practice is that, um, and we've stayed in touch. It's easy to stay in. It's, you know, easier to stay in touch. Like I was always, even if I wasn't in touch with you, I would be in touch with you through like hearing your mom talk about you. Right. Or or I would hear Corinne and and Matt talk about you.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Ray and I, for people listening, Ray and I, um, share a, a really incredible friend group
2: yes. Yeah. but also
0: an, an incredible like range of age in that friend group so like Ray's contemporaries um and then like Ray's mom's contemporaries and then there's like <laughs> uh, our friends Sue and Steve who are even another generation like <laughs> they're, and their kids and so it's just a it's a very interesting group in St. Augustine that I'm lucky to kind of be part of but so like I was always able to kind of keep up with you because someone that I was in touch with would always knew what,
1: like the going on you. yeah
0: and I'm, I'm assuming the kind of the other way around is like yeah people kind of just know about like oh well I talked to so-and-so and they talked to so-and-so hey tell so-and-so hi that kind of thing
1: yeah even um, I mean even when I was in Denmark and I sent an acquaintance your way and they stayed with you like just something like so many degrees of separation. Do you remember, um, I sent a friend, she was traveling through the U S and three of them. Yeah. I only knew one of them, but she was going with her friends and yeah, yeah, I connected you guys. So it's just kind of like this funny, like little network.
2: (laughs) my,
0: My favorite thing. I don't know if you know this story. Um, so those women, um, showed up at our house and Wendy had was like Ray's friends are coming, and so we we did the same thing that we'd always do. So Joey and I, and Joey is pretty little, but yeah, like cleaning up the house. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, and then there's a part of me in my head is like, <laughs> they've been staying in like youth hostels for the last year, like they don't care if our house is swept <laughs> or not, right? But we straighten our house up, and and Wendy made it. I don't think she intentionally did because we thought about it afterwards, but I think she made like fresh tea it came across as super southern which was great because they're like amazing
1: they like, yeah
0: it's like <laughs> so and we didn't even think about it but she made like this fresh like and it, it wasn't like she didn't make like sweet tea which would have been super southern but she made like yeah, a but, fresh tea and she mm-hmm. got like this she made fresh bread and there was like this cheese plate and then we went to see the AAA nashville sounds baseball game
1: Yes, I remember you guys telling me that. And
0: not only that, but we just so happened that we were there on Military Appreciation Day. (laughs) And so Budweiser had every beer, and they didn't want to drink like IPAs or anything. They wanted to drink American beer. So they had Budweiser. So these three women had these like giant 20 ounce Budweiser's that had the American flag printed on them. (laughs) And then like we come to do the they national like anthem and there's a flag on the thing. And it was super rah, rah, rah American to the point mm-hmm. where like they kind of were a little like, what Whoa! happening? Like, and I- They and got I more
1: just, of an American experience than I get. Yeah. On like a daily, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, it was, like, it was like someone had keyed it up like for a movie, like, oh, we're gonna put it all into this one. And so there were like all these veterans on the field it was lovely you would normally wouldn't think about it unless you had friends of a friend who were guests from outside the U.S. <laughs> and then you saw it through their eyes and you're like oh this looks like a rally you know like yeah
1: this yeah, looks this like is serious, this, looks,
0: is this looks like a we don't want you here kind of thing and, and instead it was just like a very <laughs> like oh you should feel very and they were like oh it's fine you know like let's go get some hot chicken, you know it was like yeah it, you know, but it, but there was this moment where their odds were just like, oh boy, like we are in the United States. Right?
1: yeah they're like um, we are in the south, like not only the United States of America, right. but like in the south
0: yeah, so so that that and and afterwards, you know we're at a baseball game we're America you know, it's America's pastime thing. I mean it, it was a very like I think they probably like, loved it you know it ended yeah up, there was a, yeah there, there was a moment there where in my head I was just like it could have felt just as American without every <laughs> like there were just there were American flags everywhere um,
1: that's and, incredible
0: but it was a fun it was I a, love that it, it was fun to be there because um, you know that those moments for me are those are the moments I think for me as like an artist, like paying attention to those little subtle moments, oftentimes are, and it's not a judgment on people that don't, right? Like, but that weird tension there, the, where I just caught their eyes of like,
2: those like 14,
0: you know, and everyone's singing, you know, the national anthem. Yeah. You know and it's just like this like hats all the hats are being taken off yep. and gloves over chest and like mm-hmm. that moment of that tension of like someone seeing you like see yourself was like a really yeah. an interesting moment and i think other people would just i think sometimes i'll talk to people about it and they'll be like what are you talking about like i don't i don't understand what the big deal is and i'm like no oh, there is definitely it was
1: no it, there was a moment yeah you had and, to be there yeah. or you had so, to understand
0: and again I think that's one of those things where it kind of coming back to what my friend Leslie had said is for me with making art is that if I could say those things I would only be a writer, you know, I would write it in, right. a, in a poem. I probably should write a poem about that. Um, I've been writing I've been writing a lot of poetry. Add about,
2: it
1: to your uh, list of things to do. Your list of projects.
0: In 2020 I, that was one of my, um, kind of resolutions was to write more poetry. Cause I, Wendy and I both wrote poetry in college a lot. Mm -hmm. Kind of this little crew of people that Wendy was on. Wendy actually had a poetry scholarship at Austin P. Oh,
2: Um, I didn't know that. mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. She's an, a really, really good writer. Yeah. Fiction and poetry. And, um, and so we are around a crew of people that did that and so I was like I want to do that too that that seems awesome and so Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just that kind of fell away and I've written songs but I'd never so anyway I've I've been trying to get back into this the idea of writing more poetry and I can't believe it that's one of those moments that I should definitely like revisit these women are you still in touch with (laughs) any of those any of those people
1: um I not the people who came in I mean we're friends on Instagram but I don't I haven't talked to her in a long time. We were kind of like acquaintances and um, it's funny. She met, she came to St. Augustine. and she, she met a lot of um, friends that I had here and stuff, but I mean, no. Other people there I do, but they I didn't really stay connected with her too much.
0: So you were there for a year for an internship through
2: your PR program?
1: Yeah, it was half a year, and it was just kind of, like, a funny, I, it, it was, I had to have, um, like, a field placement, basically, and they give you, like, all these options, and I just, like, none of them were kind of anything I wanted to do, and then this kind of company that's based in Denmark kind of fell in my lap, um, through, like, a funny little circumstance, um, sequence of events and so I ended up going to Denmark I was just like hey can I work for your company and they were like yeah and we had to do all the letter writing back and forth and um, get it approved but yeah so I ended up going to Denmark which was um, kind of a surprise not something that I thought I thought was going to happen Um, but it was an amazing surprise and it was great being there and um that definitely like has been infor- earlier on when I was doing ceramics I think that informs like a lot of my design choices um just like Danish clean design um and I mean as I've gone through like the various stages of just trying to find my voice um I've kind of broken away from this like Perfection and symmetry, and kind of taking it in a different direction, um, which has been um, interesting. But I mean, I like to compare it to so I was in Denmark and I was working, and everything kind of like if you think of like Nordic countries and Danish design, everything kind of has its place, and everything is kind of like this perfect puzzle where all the parts fit and um, everything belongs somewhere. And I while I was staying in Denmark, I went to Italy to because the Biennial was happening. So I was like, I'm not gonna miss this. I don't know when I'm gonna be back for this. So I decided to go to Italy. And so the moment like I stepped off the plane, the the weather is completely different because of course um, Denmark is far north and um, Italy was just like humid. There were so many colors. There were so many like so much diversity buildings were crumbling, nothing had a place. And it was just like, so it was almost like refreshing to kind of have that change. And I kind of, I feel like that's a good comparison with kind of like the direction in which my work has gone. It's like, at first I thought everything had to have a place. I thought it had to be perfectly symmetrical. I thought it had to be something. And it was almost like I was forcing it to be this exact thing. And then once I was able to step outside of that and kind of, um, I don't know, not put that pressure on myself for everything to have a perfect space or a perfect spot. I was able to find my voice a little more and it, it just relieved a lot of the pressures that I felt like my, my work had to be. Um,
0: it's funny that you say voice and I'm certainly not suggesting that like there's an identical correlation between like Denmark design and like auto-tuning but I think there is something interesting about hearing someone sing live and hearing the like richness of her voice versus hearing a recorded version that has been auto-tuned
2: yeah and I don't don't mean
0: auto-tuned only in connection to like hip-hop where it has become this really lovely thing where it's like you know they're showing that they're, they're like literally letting the auto-tune be its own object and you hear the kind of right uh, digitalness of it I just mean the idea of like when
2: well
1: it's not a diss on anything it's just it's like yeah. this but it's they're just two different things and yeah. it's kind of like I mean I love to listen to an auto-tuned song as that as an art like that is the art is the auto-tune mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and of course the artist as well, but I just like, they're two different things and it's kind of like, I mean, if people want to do that perfect design, that perfect symmetry, like that's a beautiful thing. But for me, I, I felt like it had to be that. And I think, I think maybe my point is things don't have to be what you think they are. And as soon as you let go of that, it's kind of easier to find, find out what you like Mm -hmm. and find out what, what, um, what direction you want to take your work in, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I guess, I guess the thing too, is that, that idea of being in a space where, um, so you growing up in the American South, it has to be jarring to go to this place where everything does have its place, because in the American South, like visually speaking, right. Yeah. Yeah. It is is (laughs) not that right. And so, Where there are definitely places and crafts people too. I mean, I think that, you know, oftentimes when we think about like the southern vernacular, like it only gets like, kind of looked at through the lens of like folk traditions, but there are like fine woodworkers um, doing things that are just as intricate and conceptually powerful in Florida or North Carolina as anywhere else. And so I don't want to say that, but yes. there is probably a bigger range of like visual things. Like in, when you were in Venice, right? When you were in Italy, there is a bigger, like you're, you're literally seeing like conceptual art through crumbling building and um, kind of just good old fashioned, like duct tape things together or wired yeah. things together. And, and for me, that's, like even in my own work, that idea of like allowing there to be a spectrum of, of uh, styles, but also just approaches and just where your headspace is at kind of any given time. I think that it's yeah one of the things like in looking at your work, even just the way you kind of talk about them in I, I think your social media presence, like through your, your pottery that you do, and I'll share this in the show notes, I'll share your, your Instagram feed, but I like it. Cause it feels like a mixture of that, right? Like it feels like there's this mixture of like, like super intentionality and then using words like clunky, clunky and chunky, you know, like,
1: yeah. There's, there's I mean, that. I want to be, yeah. I, I think sometimes, I mean, especially like with Instagram and just the way that things tend to be marketed. It's like, you have to do something in a certain way. And then you, you have to like have a specific brand and instead sometimes it's like I think I found that my own voice and I mean we're all like kind of contradictions all the time so it's like why does my brand or my art or my my work have to be something specific when I'm not a specific person I'm I'm a person who has like many layers and I'm dynamic in many different ways and so it's like I shouldn't have to make everything be one thing it can be different things and they can all agree with each other I think mm. and I think I I want to be honest about my stuff and I think that's why kind of like there are those um those different aspects like when I present myself in a, a visual way like on a social media or just I want to make sure that I'm honest and relatable but not like I don't want to be branded as one specific thing
0: yeah and I think to that point like I had to look something up today because I was like I know what chunky and clunky mean and then there's this other vase that you have and it's um apotropaic how do
1: you say that word yeah I actually don't know I I named it that because I was looking I'm, re- I really love like the color blue. I love, um, I love, um, the evil eye, And that's kind of like what led me down that path into finding out about that word. Um, so that's why I named that base that, because it had, it was kind of like a channel through the evil eye. Cause it's not necessarily an evil eye, but it's kind of, I don't know, aprotropic, I guess. Ooh, can you see me?
0: No, you disappeared.
1: There. Um, so I think that's kind of like the channel that I found that word um,
2: okay.
1: through like, you know, an object having a kind of like meaning or having this like, um, this like luck or evilness or like wording something off like an evil eye does. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of like the direction in which I found that word. And I thought it was kind of like a cool description of the things I like to make. Like I like the, my things to have a meaning or mm-hmm. um, like some sort of depth. It's almost like, uh, I think, I, I don't remember. I think it's in Japan, like how things have souls, just objects can have a soul. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like along those lines, it's like something has a power, a power that you give it. It's, so that's, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I always love is, and I talk about this all the time, people probably get tired of hearing it, but the the idea of art happening inside of like these ranges, right inside of the spectrum. And so I like that you're, um, on your Instagram, there's this spectrum of like, you know, approachable were approachable language that someone who is younger, who's five that can reading be like, oh yeah, like I can read that. And or someone who's brand new to art who can read like, oh yeah, look those new candles that she made are chunky and clunky. Right. And then <laughs> someone who can also come to it who is much more interested in like digging down into like the kind of pulling back the layers of the history of like ceramics as it's gone through like, you know, like Greece can like also approach it. And that that same post can be Accessible to to both people right yeah and so um and and i think there are really good examples of of um artists where they they don't allow that spectrum and they just are like this is my audience this is i'm going for an academic audience and i love that stuff too
2: mm-hmm.
0: i just that for me that sweet spot especially in like a social media setting is that for me personally is that range you know is like having you know, I always say that art happens between the spectrum of dumb and dumber and Schindler's
2: <laughs> list,
0: right? And if it's too much, if it's only dumb and dumber, then it's yeah. like, and if it's only Schindler's list, then it's like, damn, that's then it's heavy.
2: like Ooh. That's be <laughs> all,
0: all the time. It's all the time heavy. Like, yeah. okay. Like,
1: you're like, are you man, okay? Do you need yeah. me to check
2: on you?
0: And then there's, you know, but I get it too, right? Like there is, that we are in a moment that, um, in these particular moments and we'll be in these moments. And also I think it's important to say we have been in these moments it's just the awareness of them of where there does need to be some heavy deep thought about certain issues and especially as they relate to like equity and inclusion um, inside of especially like our field of art but but anyway that but yeah. but still there's that like I still think that there, even inside of that there's these ranges of how how you can kind of you know without comedy like some people aren't coming on board. And without drama, some people aren't coming on board. And and there has to be a range to kind of get people to, you know, which is why, you know, that's why Dave Chappelle is such a powerful character (laughs) in all of our lives is because he can say things to um, a broad community of people that other people can't say without people just getting in their feelings too much and not actually hearing the thing. And so, but anyway, that... I love that idea about like with your in your work and especially just in the way that you're talking about it also I love the idea of like you know there are some things where you know like you're definitely uh, flirting with isn't the right word like you're open to this idea that someone could come in and be like hey like we want this for anthropology but you're also like open to this idea of like I made this thing for a friend and now it's just sitting on the end of this table you know and and then and, and trying to figure out like you know, what is, how do you figure out a way to have a sustainable practice making ceramics and also, like, paying rent, you know? like I mean,
1: that's the question. <laughs> that's um, my journey right now, for sure, is trying to figure out how to be sustainable, but also make the things I want and not, not be necessarily production-based, but, which I don't know, like, I'm hoping this can work. And I mean, this is the first time that I've kind of given ceramics as like my only income a a try. Um, And the only reason I'm able to do that right now is because um, the pandemic happened. So I moved from a very expensive place to a very affordable place um, where my family lives. So I have a lot of uh, resources and um, people around me That are family that help so I mean right now and kind of in the period of trying to figure out how I can make things that I'm able to express myself and then also how I can make things in which there is an expression a certain expression but also people are going to buy and I'm going to be able to like provide an income a steady income for myself Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and so that's I think that's really difficult I don't I don't just want to like sit around and make cups all day, but I'm also like, maybe if I want this to work, that's what I have to do. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out, maybe there's something else that I can make that I enjoy making, maybe not all the time, but for the most part that I can work with. And then I can have like those open areas to explore. And I mean, I think that's not just me. I think that's I, I talked to a lot of friends that also have like the same kind of how do I formu- formulate this to um, be conducive to like my lifestyle and me and what I need and creatively what I need, like financially and creatively.
0: Here you are, you're saying like, I want to do this. And then yeah. you have these <laughs> friends look at you go- who are like, and they're not trying to be mean, but they're going, do you really? Because if you really want to do it, like, why aren't you doing this and this and this and this? And so in my particular case, my friend, Dr. Devin DeLauder, and I were teaching at Father Ryan together, this private Catholic school. And I was complaining about the idea of like the way galleries behave, you know, mm-hmm. like with trying to show art. And he's he's like, look, I get it. He's like, I'm younger than you. I don't know anything about the art world. He's like, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> he's like, explain to me why you have to have a gallery because you have the internet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm true. like,
0: yeah. <laughs> man you're totally right like I don't especially need, right now I don't need specifically
1: anymore. right now <laughs> like
0: so it is cool that like here's this guy who who just like shook me out of this kind of old-fashioned idea of just my own old-fashioned idea of just complaining about something instead of and he was just like just do something about it. like what are you talking about yeah like,
1: yeah someone,
0: and they're going to take 50% of what you're selling like
1: yeah he's like um, no way I don't understand yeah, so
0: <laughs> He's like, maybe that's just Al. it's done. Like, I just, he's like, I'm, pl- I'm like, ignorant. Right. And I was like, no, you're right. So that was like in, that was like, some, like in maybe November. So that spring break of that year when I was teaching, when I was still in the classroom full-time and, and still got breaks, I tore out my, all the old drywall in my garage and like re-drywalled my garage and opened up the Lola Gallery and started having exhibits mm-hmm. in my own house but it was interesting
2: yeah it was that
0: it was that it was that person who is outside being like I really don't understand what you're talking about like you've got yeah you got all the privilege in the world like and you don't you're not using it and you're <laughs> trying to blame somebody else because their privilege isn't accommodating yours like
2: yeah
1: yeah 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 no it's also I mean in the same way it's good to have those friends that are maybe share some of your understanding of like the art field it's also important to have those people that are outside of it too mm-hmm. to be like hey like I don't get it but this is what I think from just like an outside view <laughs> and it's nice to have this perspective, those perspectives yeah, those yeah different ways of thinking about things
0: so when you're looking at I want to go back to this idea of finding this thing that you would be comfortable making a lot of right
2: and yeah what, whatever that thing
0: is right like um finding this this and I think for many of us like that you know that idea of that compromise love hate relationship with that finding that thing because yeah a lot of times people are like well I don't want to make that thing and I'm like do you like making that thing less than having a day job right
1: right yeah what we're
0: talking about because like um and then like obviously there's there's there is that other side right the Gary Vaynerchuk's the Marcus Whitney's would say um well Gary Vaynerchuk would say like don't do anything you don't like like you just need to you just need to do everything that you love but but he would also say like you got to pay rent too you got to figure out you know what it's for and so he you know um I just think that that's an interesting thing and I know that for people who whether they're calling themselves a ceramicist or a potter um because there is and I don't think we do it as much with other fields is because
1: the conversation we, of craft and art kind well of there's also really... just
0: not that big a history of like production painting the way there is in production pottery, right? Like I think Correct. we would hear yeah. it more if you could um crank out, you know, I mean, there there is that history in painting.
1: There's very yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's I not, understand it's what not you're quite saying. Quite the
0: same as with with ceramics and pottery
1: well I mean especially if you think of pottery as like you know it was used as this thing where you needed a bowl to eat something out of right. so you're making it to use in that way I mean it's necessity and then it's art or I don't know what came first to generate but um <laughs> yeah I guess it so yeah I don't know ceramics is kind of and uh that this medium is I think that's kind of something that everybody who works with this medium has that conversation. I think everybody kind of is like, is this, do I need to make, you know, utilitarian like dinnerware in order to make and explore other things or, or can I just make those other things? Yeah.
0: I wanted to ask you about that because on your Instagram page, someone asked you about making hooks Yeah, and and I'm like, I wonder if that drove her crazy or if she really was just like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I haven't thought about making hooks yet.
1: I mean, i it's definitely something that I've thought about. There's, I mean, there's endless things that you can make, you know, sure. it just goes on and on and on and on. Like right now I'm just messing around with lighting to see if like lighting is something that would be it interesting and would sell and I could also make more sculptural pieces and I think lighting is also a very I mean of course it's like a privilege to buy a $400 pendant light Mm -hmm. for your home but there are people who will do that and I can make it more sculptural and different than just like a bowl Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah I forget the question but (laughs) it's yeah I was just wondering oh the key the The hook thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, people are like, can you make this? Can you do this? And I'm like, I could, I could. Right. Maybe I will.
2: Right. It's
1: a great idea. I thought of it. Some things I haven't thought of, but I'm just like, yeah. And I, and I'm also like, I feel, um, it makes me feel good because obviously people like my stuff and they're like, I want you to make something like this because I could use it and I like what you make. So it's not like insulting it in any way. And it's like a very like nice thing to think that I would design something and like it's a big compliment
0: it was one of the better ways it was one of the better ways I've seen someone ask because they were like yeah I thought you would do it because like you would come up with this really interesting way. It wasn't just be like, you know what you ought to do. You
1: should make this. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, no. And it's totally true. And I I do like, I want, there's only so much I can do. And so I want to do that. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, it's trying, it's like, I'm going to go in all these different directions and then try to decide. I don't know. It's hard. You just have to kind of like do one thing at a time, which is Uh, difficult uh, for me. Personally, <laughs> I have
0: known some people who've spent better part of a career chasing their own tail trying to find out what will sell while they it's eating them up inside that they're not making the work that they want to make and there's a there's a part of me where I'm like I think that might be where a day job comes in it's like maybe you should do your thing and then just make your body of work that you want to make and then that way you can believe in that body of work and then yeah and then kind of find out like if that body of work really is or like is worth doing the thing or it's like man pick one of these things and just stick with it like don't try to find yeah. one that like don't don't try to find this happy medium of like I'm not saying with Doing you it. I'm just saying I've seen it happen before where someone's
2: constantly Well, I
1: definitely, this, like definitely
2: perfect comfort. I can
1: relate to that yeah. yeah. I can totally relate to that. And I think, I mean, I, I think like in a way, like you kind of have that also where you want to do all of these different things yeah, as well. And like, sure. I mean, your stuff is very, I know when you've made something and I can, I can tell you're specific about what you make, but it is still one of those things. It's like, I, I have, I just got this um, tool, it's called the flex shaft and I, um, here it is right here. <laughs> um, and I got it to cut metal with it or to drill metal and do different things with metal and so I mean right now I'm trying to like use metal with ceramics and uh-huh. join them together and um, see what that looks like but I'm also like oh man like I could make jewelry too like, uh-huh. why don't I start making jewelry and then I'm just like oh but I like also make candles for my candle holders but then like I look at my candle holder and it's got like you know the pieces of metal hanging off of it from the metal I made and then my candles in it and it's like uh-huh. all things that I've made and they all go together but I'm like how how can i do everything <laughs> like there's just no time to do everything and to yeah, I mean, yeah
0: it's so it's hard a, it is a tricky thing like cuz it is a tricky thing to figure out where to put your energy and i have certainly looked back and been like man i wasted some time investigating on that for so long or i wasted some time investigating that or man I, I actually won on that one like I, that's where I should have right. been spending my energy and I think that you know what's so tricky about it is like you just don't know which investigation is actually going to pay it's off it's going to lead right? you
1: somewhere yeah because yeah. every
0: every great story by the artist that we love comes from one of those things right it's very rare that we hear some artist be like well I was doing this thing that I knew was going to work out really well and then I and did it
2: and it worked out really well Yeah, you now I'm
0: famous and you're listening to my TED talk like it's almost <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) always this. Well, I was in my studio and I was supposed to be doing this, but I
1: started using the
0: flex shaft and I next thing you know, I was doing this. And so now, that's why you're watching this (laughs) TED Talk is because I was experimenting and I was chasing an idea <laughs> down the alley and I always yeah. talk to the, um, college students about that like you know I've, I've figured out like it, it, at some point it stuck this metaphor of like encouraging them to, to chase ideas down the alley right like if you see a little glint it's like chase it and I was like here's the thing though that sucks is that like nine times out of ten it's like a gum wrapper
2: yeah
1: you know? but also like how lucky are we and how lucky are the people you're telling to do that um, to have the opportunity to be able to do that it's incredible and insane so it's just like why not do it like who cares if it doesn't work like i have the opportunity to do it why not just do it if
0: (laughs) if 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 any scientist that we know heard us bitching about one to ten odds yeah
1: "Um, really i know i'd have like a black eye
0: that's what you that's what you're worried about like you're gonna try something 10 times you're worried that it didn't work <laughs> like I mean it's a Edison 10,000 tries to yeah. figure out the battery that in that we all kind of like think about as like our battery you know like yeah like he 10,000 attempts and so um so yeah that's that that's one of those conversations that's always so interesting to kind of figure out is like the um do you know this dude, this guy, Jeff Goings, he has a podcast called, he wrote a book called The Myth of the Starving Artist.
2: Oh, yes,
0: yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And then that podcast that he does.
1: I, have, I haven't listened to a podcast. Podcast right.
0: is really, um, oh, there's a woman on there whose work, like her prints are like in like cool little shops. Like, our friends in Nashville have a shop called Welcome Home. Lisa Cogden, is that her name? Do you know her work?
1: No. Uh, it's so, sometimes, like, names are hard for me. Sometimes when I see something, I'm like, she oh, parents. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, she, she didn't start making, like, she didn't really dive in until her 40s. And now makes work full-time and has a studio. Wow. I, think, I think maybe even, a I think she maybe even has a storefront in Portland or somewhere. It's super cool stuff. But anyway, Jeff Goins is another really great person to like pour that kerosene on that fire of like no I can do mm-hmm. this I can monetize this thing that I'm interested in yeah and figure it out because um because as Devin pointed out to me it's like you have the internet and there is
2: we
1: yeah we were talking about like the different spectrums like so LinkedIn I, TikTok I started using that
0: and I started using TikTok I'd started using TikTok and then I stopped and um but I started using it and I still TikTok is still still trying to figure out like what how that how that's going to mean something in relationship to my work, other than it's sending my son, you know, a really strong message of like, Oh, I'm gonna be on all the platforms. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be there as a dad. Like, I'm like gonna
1: to watch out. Like
0: I just, I can I'm see just you. I see you.
2: I see yeah.
0: you. I see the way that you're, you're there. I'm not trying to be, you know, mean about it, but like, I'm going to be around, right? Like,
1: yeah.
0: You're going to have to be really inventive. <laughs> you have no
1: choice. Like I'm yeah. here.
0: Um, but so that's been helpful, but the LinkedIn one has been amazing because um, it really is wild how you suddenly can be in conversations. So this woman reached out to me and said, I don't, think I reached out to her. I think she was just like, I think she just saw that I followed her and saw that what I did, and she just sent me a message, and she's like, hey, if you ever want to talk art therapy, I would love to, and I'm like, she's in Knoxville, Tennessee, and And one of the things that I'm always trying to do is, you know, kind of correct blind spots that I know exist in my own like teaching practice, especially in relationship to just where I'm sending kids, and as far as like opportunities, also like Mm -hmm. who are those people I'm sending them to? Do they represent? Are they representative of kids that I'm serving? And so this young black woman reached out to me, who's an art therapist in, you know, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Right. Wow. Like yes. And so I like immediately put her in touch with um, teachers here in Murray County where I work and then sent her a message and was like, yes, like, I'd love to have you on this podcast that I do for art educators. Like let's talk art therapy. And so that LinkedIn one is, I'm, I'm like, I'm a believer full on. I'm like, I never would have like, even if I would have tried to find her, it would have been hard in other, Yeah. even if you would have searched, typed female, black, art therapy, Appalachia.
2: Right. Like,
1: well, yeah, therapy. it's like, it, it's all these, we have so many like channels available to us to explore. And I, yeah, I think it's important to explore all of those for sure. I and mean, so I'm so not cool. on LinkedIn, but I'm I mean, now that you're saying that, I'm like, okay, like maybe I should be. So Who knows? This,
0: so here's my, this is my selling point to artists about LinkedIn. Ready? And like, I, like so. <laughs> I'm Ray, so I'm ready. Ray's not a believer yet, and I've told every artist that I've talked to about it. They're just like, whatever, Mikey. Like, whatever. So <laughs> Meow Wolf is on LinkedIn. Do you know that okay. place? No. Meow Wolf okay, is not. one. Of, is, i to look
1: it up though. It.
0: Meow Wolf is one of those like fully immersive spaces. They started in. I, Oh, I think Santa Fe, New Mexico, but like they have a new, um, they have a new 6,000 square foot thing that's opening up where you're like inside of this shopping center and like Brian Eno and Santa Gold and someone else are on track. And like, I know about all that stuff because they post constantly on LinkedIn. Yeah. (laughs) And they're working with Santa Gold. So it's like Santa Gold's on LinkedIn. That's good enough for me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I'm there, sign me
0: up. Yeah, I'm. I'm in. Mean, if she's doing it, like it's gotta. It's gotta be worth. We're
1: one it. degree of separation. Me and Santa Gold. I'm oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm joking. Be was curious <laughs> Via LinkedIn. I was, no. I'm, I'm no, always... I'm not actually. I'm not actually. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some like one degree separation craziness well, out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. There. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you can yeah, do it. Yeah. Always. I'm sure you could do it in two or three. Oh yeah, um, because Saint Augustine's a really great superconductor place because so many people move there who aren't from there. Yeah, it's a so, funny place. So as sure, a result, can, as a result, you can find your way pretty quickly. My big brother, yeah. my big brother, is a superconductor um, in in the sense of like six degrees of separation. There are people who are like superconductors because they like they can scoot you up by like uh-huh. degrees. But Sam um, drives tour buses, and so he drove tour buses for dolly parton and so as a result of wow. that
1: incredible that kind
0: of super conducts you to like well my brother knows dolly parton and dolly parton knows yeah this person right and so yeah. so suddenly you're just like oh if i were trying to play the game <laughs> you're like but, i'm there if we were trying to play that if we were playing a game you would be like mikey you can't use sam you have to use someone different because he,
2: yeah
0: he automatically like, short circuits it to like
2: yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: everything like it's like <laughs> Well, Dolly met David Letterman and David Letterman's met everyone. He messes up
1: the whole, yeah, the whole algorithm of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, and he's just like, you know, he's just doing his regular job and he blows blows up the the algorithm. But that's the thing that I think is interesting about LinkedIn, about TikTok, the way I understand what Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about is that Instagram used to work that way. It would allow me to have the superconductors that would connect me to everyone. But like yeah. they realized like that's not the way we're gonna be able to make money is allowing Yes. That
1: I to mean work. it's like it's more of a marketing. How can you sell
0: how can you sell me something if I don't need it? Yeah. And if I can <laughs> connect to anyone that I want to. Yeah.
2: Right? If
0: I can connect to anyone I want to, then you don't need to sell me this new. You don't need to sell me this like advertisement package of boosting your post. Yeah. So there's this woman in Nashville named Pony Silver who's an incredible designer. She's also a drummer. And I remember early on when when uh, Instagram started really tinkering with that, and it must have just been when Facebook bought it and no one paid attention to yeah. when it happened. And they started realizing like we're gonna have to clamp. I mean, it's clear what happened there, like we can't we can't just let Ray be able to connect to anyone without paying for it. Like Right like they're
1: so, like we gotta ca- capitalize on this we gotta somehow.
0: figure we gotta figure out a way to where it like makes yeah. sense of it and I remember her posting a lot of uh, the, the information about what she was getting from them and she was saying look because I remember it very specifically like people who I was following she was one of them and I just suddenly stopped seeing their feed unless I yeah
1: I remember that feed. too it was it was very
0: weird, it, and yeah. then like
1: yeah, it was. And you weird. just
0: you just find yourself in these little kind of closed spaces, and so I think that's yeah. why um, I think that's why those friends of ours to kind of go back to that. The idea is when you're making in your studio, right? Like there there used to be this feeling of like Ray, you need a website. That's what you need, you know. And so yeah. people were like, cool, we're gonna get a website, and then they thought, now I can just make my art. I'm gonna post on my website. I'm never gonna need anything again. And then it was yeah. like, Ray, you need to that's blog. You have to blog as <laughs> well. You know, and you're like, what's that? So then blogging was a thing. And then it's like, then Twitter happened and then Facebook. And and so, and what's probably truer is that now it's like, if we want to do these things, there's no such thing as just like in our own studio practice, where we are constantly investigating and constantly doing stuff, there's going to be platforms in which you can't just, well, you can, but I don't think it's going to be as easy to be successful unless you already have a certain level of success to just well, I have a, a website or I have an Instagram or I have, a, right. or I'm not on this. And I'll have people tell me like, man, I'm not ever going to do that. And I'm like, wow, like, but you're still frustrated that you're not.
1: Yeah. Like, but then I mean, in the same way, like, yes, but also in the same way, sometimes I hear like, some artists I know have kind of been like okay like sign up for my newsletter via like their social media channels because I'm gonna like exit this for a while because I need a break and then they have their new channels but I guess maybe they're at like a certain level where they they're allowed to do that without feeling a huge hit from anything
0: and I'm I I feel like well to be fair, you and I should both have newsletters too. I mean, that's just like, we need to it's, add
1: it. I
2: know.
1: <laughs> I've been thinking about that too. I was like, I should do a newsletter, even if it's like super infrequent, just yeah. to have it would
2: be great. Yeah. yeah. And well, also
1: there's something about that too that makes you kind of like, I mean, you're practicing your writing, you're practicing, like you're researching some things and you're, I mean, depending on what you're sending out, it's just like, it's like an extra, extra tool and research almost, and communication. I well, don't know.
0: And I think, I think something too is that we're. I I have not paid attention to this, but like those artists that are saying hey, I'm going to do this newsletter. I'm really checking out on this thing. There's a good chance that that's just a pose. And that someone smarter than them said, listen, man, a newsletter is going to cost you half the time and is going to be twice as effective because like we're finding that we're in this loop now where people are missing this old fashioned thing. Yeah. So that that whole like idea of like, I've got to get off social media. This is like, that might be less real than them just going like, yeah. It's either easier than saying, "Well, I've been stupid for the past five years." <laughs> it's easier to say, "I'm going to check out of this social media toxic environment because I feel like I'm adding." Like, I mean, the, the, yeah. art, world, the art world is full of like. Uh, it, it, we we have as a as a community, we are very good at like false morality. You know what I mean? Like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I mean, anybody, especially on social media, is good at that. let alone like artists yeah for sure
0: but i also think there's uh i see i also think that there's like for me there's that like how many people do i have to hear are doing a newsletter before my brain goes like oh newsletters are a thing to be doing yeah well
1: also i think they're like a good way to knowledge share too i mean if you have a recipe you want to send to somebody if you have like whether it's like a Blaze recipe or a bread recipe or whatever you're working with or if you have like I don't know they're they're good for announcements they're good for sharing they're good for so many things that I, I don't know I friend, I think my they're
0: friend, great my friend Ted who's a musician has been doing them for a while yeah and it's so funny when I was first getting them from him I'm like man these are these are kind of long you know like they're like <laughs> they're like two pages yeah but then I started realizing like I only get these from him like once every three months like yeah. they're long and then i was just yeah. like oh this is awesome like this is and actually then it feels really-
1: so much more personalized than just like a post of a picture with like a word on it you're just like oh okay this this has been thought out for three months this whole newsletter has <laughs> taken three months to write
0: <laughs> right yeah um that's been, that's really funny. So one of, I don't, I don't want to miss talking to you about Flower Arrange because yeah something that um, I know is a big interest of yours. It's clear in your social media that, that you like.
1: It's an extension of kind of what I do, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious about like, when, when did that, when did that like kind of sub-passion kind of show up? Has it always been there?
1: I mean, I've always, been interested and I think it's like one of those things like we were talking about earlier how like you should explore those channels and just see what happens and I was it was when I had first moved to New York and I didn't have a job and I was doing all of these really weird odd jobs and I was just kind of exploring the channels and what was out there and trying to figure out um, what I could do alongside my ceramic practice that I could make an income from and so I was looking at NYFA and I saw um, Emily Thompson Flowers was actually hiring for a office position and um, I was kind of just like whatever I'll just apply for it and see what happens and so I got through a couple of interviews and it seemed to go well and I guess she she actually reached out to like um, my references and one of my friends who was one of my references. Um, she told her that I wasn't actually, like, not that I was bad at, like, office work, but that that wasn't, like, my strong suit, which is, I'm kind of, like, frustrated about it, but also it's, like, a blessing (laughs) because she was, like, well, she's really good at this, and it was more, like, of a creative direction, and so she actually created this, like, It wasn't an internship, but it was, like, this middle, like, I was still paid, but it was still, like, I was, like, bottom of the line and, like, the flower kind of, like, environment. But, you know, if I wouldn't have applied for this office position, I would have never gotten the chance to do this. And if my friend wouldn't have been so honest, I would have never, you know... That wouldn't have been an option for me. And so, like, all of these things kind of aligned. And I've always been really interested in flowers and arranging. And, like, that's also another form of sculpture. And so, Emily was a great person to work with because she went to art school. She was an artist. She was not trained in floral design. And so, It was great to learn from her, and all of the people that she employed were also like artists in their own respects that had other mediums that they worked in. So, everybody had something really special that they brought. Um, And nobody was really formally trained in flowers. So, it was this whole um, team of people that were just all artists, and then they worked for her designing florals. And um, so, that was really, really special. And it has informed. my ceramics in a big way because I love I mean I love extending it's like you you make your ceramics and in the beginning stages um, impermanent and it's just a piece of earth and you can kind of crumble it if you don't like it but then once you fire it it's finished it's like you can't crumble it you can't it doesn't return back to earth and so it's the finished structure and then you have the option of whether it's like food or flowers, it doesn't even matter if it's food even. Like it's an extension of the piece. And so I think like when it's out of the kiln, I have this whole idea that it's not finished. It's never finished when it comes out of the kiln. It's like mm. it, it can be um, expanded on and expounded on, I guess. Um, and so when I make a form, I intend for it. It can be just as it is, or I intend for somebody to like play around with composition and like what that form can do and how you can contribute to the sculpture once you own the piece. And like I think um, flowers kind of was like working with flowers and that whole field and with Emily that was um really helped inform that whole part of my idea of like what sculpture is and um how yeah how it you can extend something that
0: has to be the best story about someone being a shitty reference that I've ever heard yeah
1: I know it's so <laughs> hilarious and like I love this friend so much but I like sh- like when I heard I was like oh my god I can't believe you did that but then I was just like oh my god thank you so much <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah that could have gone like, like, I
1: want to hate you right now but also like thank you so
0: much right that could have gone way worse it could have just gone like yeah you don't get this job but yeah it, it <laughs> made up a (laughs) made something up and and now you have this like deeper understanding of of this thing that maybe you would not have kind of investigated I've always been um so my sculpture professor in grad school really my on his syllabi always it always said art is a verb and yeah the, the idea of what you're talking about is like you know you're thinking about these vessels as as verbs as opposed to nouns right like your goal is that they're like being eaten out of or that they are holding something right that they are yeah. um but, or even
1: know. like with candles it's like you're setting an intention you are like burning a candle in the holder that's holding it and you're like lighting the fire to set an intention or like mm-hmm. what yeah so it's active totally well and i
0: think the interesting thing for me has always been um I think that the art versus craft conversation is as silly as like, the southern versus Yankee conversation
1: agreed
2: it feels like I struggled
1: right? with it for a while though like for a while it was kind of like what is art and what is craft and like how and I'm just like it's a, it's a silly conversation I think I, I, it, I think it's, it's not worth really talking about I don't it, I don't know if that's like I'm allowed to say that yeah, but I'm just like
0: <laughs> you for sure you like hey I think that you might get some hate mail from all seven people that listen to this <laughs> podcast that you say what you want right I'll back you up um, uh yeah I and and like I get it that there are that there are ways to have that conversation that are not silly. Like I understand that there are people who spend their time thinking about the history and the value of craft in America or wherever they're Agreed. thinking about that. Like, but I, I
1: think I, craft I, is underestimated as art. Correct. So I and think that's like what, when I think of craft I think of it as like a very valid real that's, thing. That's
0: what I mean. Is that the idea yeah. that craft is somehow lower versus art which is higher right. as, you I I think are talking about silly
2: right exactly yeah
0: someone when they find out someone is was born north of the Mason Dixon line is suddenly like you are not a you're not a person that I am going to like kind of hang out
2: with right Right. right, right
0: right right um which is and so to me I think that's that's what I meant by that of course there is like there are um, like ways in which you can investigate all of those different kinds of things and I know plenty of artists who really um, have these really great discussions with themselves about work that is con- been considered craft or was considered um, you know wasn't considered like kind of capital letter art and that that's been really powerful for them to do I just I think that's the thing like what you and I talked about just that that it's somehow less than that my grandmother's quilts are somehow less than my paintings is just nonsense
1: yeah and I think I mean I think like the climate now and just like what people agree as art is shifting too like I I definitely see craft is being more re- it's more respected now like I think there's like a movement of people that oh, really just sure. like risk re- like it's highly respected yeah um, not everyone but of course but um. I just I don't know maybe if it's just because of what I'm doing right now that I see it more, but I, I think I see it more. Like, even in, like, your reference to, like, quilts and stuff, there's this um, clothing designer, and also it's just, like, a really big, I don't even know if trend's the right word, because I think it is something that is classic and, like, um, it's ageless, but it's, like, the like people are making quilt jackets all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom made me this beautiful quilt jacket. Yep. But it's, it's people are, like, selling quilt jackets, and people are buying them, and people mm-hmm. are spending a lot of money on them and because it's because it is a art and it is this beautiful piece of art that you want to wear and so like at the same time I want I want to use the word trend but I don't I think it's more like respect and more like of an understanding of something that's like ageless and timeless and a craft and beautiful and I don't know so yeah your grand your grandmother's quilts are like can be equivalent to a painting you know it's like I think people are maybe seeing that more now I don't know I, th-
0: I, th- I think so it's it's been interesting too the there's there's a lot of conversations in like art journals that I've seen about like the silver lining of the of the pandemic is possible to people for like when I say people it's possible that lots of people all at the same time are thinking about art education and how valuable it is for the first time in a long time because yeah. art education, um, art teachers, music teachers, dance, theater, all the arts. Those were activities that really, the amount of energy people were putting into those during the pandemic were just like-
1: It was salvation, yeah, yeah, for people. people
0: dropping this idea that they'd had of like, oh, I don't know how to do this, or this is going to be embarrassing, or this is, they're just like, I'm just going to try this. I'm just going to try to start quilting, or I'm going to try to start painting, or I'm going to try to start. There was just suddenly this, um, it's like, we don't have to take it so seriously. We just know this is going to be good for kind of thing yeah
1: and then there's Art. like a deeper appreciation for those things because you are doing them and you're seeing how much time and energy goes into it you're seeing how much planning and how how much skill and you're you're gaining an understanding of those things
0: and I was telling someone it feels like like I remember there being a bunch of macrame stuff around and like arts and crafts kinds of things from like late 60s early 70s and like my household as a kid uh-huh. that was over like this long period of time and I feel like that happened I'm curious about kids who are like you know were eight when the pandemic started and all of a sudden they're just like we had zero art in our house and now, and there's now- five <laughs> of us and we just we're just we all have studios we're just all making stuff like my mom's they're doing like so this many macaroni
1: do- necklaces everywhere yeah. just
0: everywhere or just like uh found object sculptures or
1: yeah like
0: they're following prompts by uh all, any number of like famous doodlers or drawers or yeah. uh, you know so carson Ellis is a she is an illustrator and she is just like a rock star illustrator. She did some limited snicket stuff and then she um, she on her Instagram started this. Um, initially, kind of early on, it was pretty consistent and she would do like a prompt a day and then it went to mm-hmm. maybe like a prompt a week and now she does. I think she does a prompt maybe once a month or once a week still doing it but like it was it was incredible there were just people that were just like cool if Carson Ellis is giving me a prompt like I'll just start drawing and they were just like yeah and drawing and drawing Uh, but uh but that was really that's been wonderful to kind of see that um and I think that that it's it's interesting like it's going to be interesting to see what one year of like people really diving in on art like what that will do to the, like kind of this larger conversation about arts, right? Like, I feel like, yeah. like for me and for you, people who are like making sculpture and working with our hands, um, we might start feeling the way photographers probably felt in like the 2000s when camera phones kind of come in and they're just like, oh, so everyone's a photographer now?
1: Everyone's doing not it, yeah. Not that yeah. I've
0: been like working on this craft for the last 30 years, but now you're telling me that you're a photographer because you've got this little rectangle They can take a, a, a picture you know like so maybe maybe we're all going to start experiencing that like oh you're a painter now really like I mean I actually
2: it's
1: so funny that you say that because I actually had this thing happen to me the other day and I called um my friend who is also an artist who is also who I like to refer to as my personal manager um but she so I I had this weird thing happen to me on social media and like somebody reposted my work and they did like this poll around my work just like random and they were like talking about trends and they posted one of my pieces that I had posted on my Instagram and they were like the poll was like how do we feel about this trend like my humps my humps or preschool claymation and those were like and I was like extremely offended at first i'm sure this person didn't mean anything by it but you know they just like didn't get it and so i i messaged my friend and i was just like oh my god what is this like this is so insane and it's like it's that um it's that same conversation of just like okay like nobody gets it everybody like is picking this up and like you think my stuff it looks like preschool claymation like what are you talking about it's like that same idea of like you don't have to have a skill to do it or right? <laughs> whatever uh-huh. it's that conversation of just like you can just pick it up and make whatever you want and then like sell it and you're just like well there's a little more to it than that but well
0: and I think the um you know the the other I think part of that too is they're like great like let me know when you get it online like I'll buy some from you You yeah. know, like, like and if, yeah. your kid, if your kid can do that man what a great way to start your college yeah. fund like just go ahead wow. and start doing it because I got something to tell genius. you, like, yeah. it's hard out here, right? Like, <laughs> you're going to sell some to your mom and your their their grandmother, but like, like if you think that this is what this is, like, feel free yeah. to kind of come in to, to do this. But yeah, it is, um, do you know, um, have you ever heard this about uh, um, uh, Alexander Calder? Is he, there's this quote, and he said, He said it took me a while, but I finally developed a complete apathy towards positive criticism or negative criticism by people outside of my trusted circle. Yeah. And so I mean I
1: haven't heard that quote, but I know who he is and I know
0: So his idea was like work
1: and I can understand.
0: His idea like if my wife didn't tell me who like has seen all my work if my friend is like my in my studio circle of people that I he's like it doesn't matter he's like if I start listening to critics right then I'm gonna start making work that's not coming from
2: this right
1: well it's like my friend had this amazing I mean the same kind of idea it's like the people who get it get it and the people who don't get it don't get it and that's okay and you're always gonna have that and it's Mm -hmm. always gonna be there and so I was just kind of like you know this is like a milestone oh my god like I I get it like I understand like um but yeah I I mean I um there's
0: this woman I was listening to her NPR I was listening to her on the Diane Rehm show and she was talking about um she's she she had written a book for writers to deal with this kind of thing of what you're talking about those people yeah and um and her name was Sarah Sarah C she was a book critic for like the Washington post. She passed away uh, maybe a handful of years ago, but she like I was really she she made me start doing this thing. So she was like in the in this conversation, she was like, when you have people that do that and and hers was about hers was about like editors. but in your mm-hmm. case, it's like it's about like specific people, and in my case, it was about like graduate schools at the time or galleries. but she was like, when people do those kinds of things, it's like don't hold on to that hurt because she's like it becomes toxic. She's like, instead, she's like, I want you to get like a pink piece of paper and then do some glue Ooh. and make a heart <laughs> and a glitter and then like, write him a note that says, sorry, things didn't work out and like send it to the editor. <laughs> and, and she's like,
2: That's great.
0: And, and then she's like, then you don't have like all this negativity. And she goes, now, just so you don't get caught in this, like this circle, she's like, you should also send. And she said once a day that we should be sending people whose work we admire, like a sweet note. Because she's like, we forget how long it took to become John Grisham that we no longer tell him good job. We're just like, hey man, when's Truly. the next book yeah. that's going to become a movie? Like, when's this next thing? Like, we forgot right. how hard it is um, for Oprah to become Oprah, for Noob Dog to become Snoop Dogg. And people Dog. truly,
1: I think, I mean, I think people truly, I mean, we are all human. We enjoy and like for people to tell us that they appreciate us. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't like to be told that they're appreciated.
0: <laughs> well, for too long, I, I only heard the first part of her conversation. And I heard the, like, the funny part. So I made a stamp that said... <laughs> Like a rubber stamp that said, I'm sorry, I cannot accept your rejection at this time.
2: And I would stamp
0: <laughs> rejection letters and then I would mail oh, them
2: back. Oh my to goodness. Yeah.
0: So like University of Kentucky got their rejection letter back, but I also made addition to copies as like artwork. Yeah. So like and then like University of Tennessee Knoxville like they got their rejection they got their rejection letter back cuz I started noticing how terrible rejection letters like how like the people that wrote them like how condescending they sounded and um and so I was just like boom but I I noticed at one point that I was like these all had this kind of fu kind of vibe and I was like what was that other thing that that awesome woman yeah. said? Oh, oh, she also said, "Don't focus on this only." Yeah,
1: like that's uh, also still negative.
0: Making uh, yeah, because I still felt just real negative about it. And I'm yeah. making, making additions of them. I like took, I, typical like very typical like white male fragility on display i was like oh i'll show you i'm gonna make 10 copies i'm gonna make additions i'll show you who's rejected you're the one that's rejected yeah
2: yeah so
0: it was funny it was also like a very you know like i'm glad i did it but also i'm glad that i was like had this moment of like oh and so what it made me
2: clarity, do is I started yeah.
0: I started creating the trophies project that I do where I take thrift store trophies and like full art them out and then I mail them to people whose work I really admire and so I started yeah. doing this like and so I sent her one like I eventually got around to sending her one and she loved it she was like thank you so much That's for this amazing. And like, yeah Susan, Susan Stamberg who's like the NPR correspondent on culture now um She had a career being the voice of one of the big NPR shows. I mean, she's like a legend in the world. You know, like, I sent her one recently in the last, I don't know how long, but like, she sent me a, a postcard back. Um, and so a lot of people like, to your point, like, like people who are really established and have like all that, like, they send me, they're like, Oh, my God, you sent me a trophy. And they send me um,
2: something.
0: Soraya, yeah. Sariah Sahardi Nelson is the Germany correspondent for NPR. Uh-huh. Yep. Hers like she's she's she just tweets she sent a message back to me on Twitter about it. She was like, Thank you so much for the Terry Gross from Fresh Air sent me a postcard. No, she sent me an That's email. amazing. That's
2: awesome email. though.
0: But anyway, it was it was just funny. This like there's those moments when those people say, like, I don't know what I would do if someone like if I just got that like thing about my work. Like, I mean, I know what I would do now in this moment. I would right. I would just be like, Hey, why don't you shoot me your address and I'll send you a painting so you can Yeah. So you can hang it in your house and they'd just be like, What? You know, like (laughs) Just, yeah. Like, like, Hey, if you're going to do free marketing for me, like this is amazing. Thank you for doing this. You know, yeah. like, even though it would probably be very on their side, like whether they know or not, like that's extremely disrespectful and negative to do something. Like, right. Like they know what they're up to. Like there's no way for them to not know that they're going down that, that they're trying, they know that you're serious about what you're doing and they know yeah. that a way to get to you is to say, this is preschool work. Like there's yeah. no way to, you can you can do that thing where we like try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt there's no way that they were not i
1: so- i mean i did and then it was just like so funny because they were like i'm a big fan of your work and i'm like if you were a big fan of my work you wouldn't write preschool claymation on top of it <laughs> but you know but it's fine
0: <laughs> that's hilarious um well hey we are coming up on really like almost an hour of our second version so I realized we probably should. Oh
1: my gosh, so funny. Yeah. We should
0: probably um, cap Wrap this. it up. Um, and I'm really grateful that you took time uh, on a Friday to hang out. I'm so excited about the work that you're making and that you're figuring out how to do all that, like how to balance all that stuff and figuring out ways in which you're gonna have kind of like this sustained practice, whatever it ends I up being so.
1: Like. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for you and everybody like you who encourages people and me and to continue doing this work and i think you guys are important people in all of our lives so i
0: i will tell everyone i know who's a teacher that you said that
1: <laughs> everyone who's a teacher everyone who's a parent of some kind everybody who's an aunt and uncle friend all important
2: Yep. all right ray thanks so much i appreciate it thanks mikey have a good friday you too